Being Reasonable comes to you from the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsboro, North Carolina. I'm Mark Solomon, and you are taking part in Being Reasonable, the weekly conversation show that focuses on how we've arrived on our steadfast views and our desire to know what is true. To participate in this friendly collaboration, all you need is respectfulness and an honest interest in the truth. We can all improve the way we form and consider our beliefs. And we can do so by being reasonable. One, two. On this week's show, we speak with another repeat guest, Rachel Moon of Mystic Hand Tarot in Durham, North Carolina. Rachel Moon re-examines her belief in the power of tarot readings to offer divine wisdom and inspire personal growth. So let's speak now with Rachel Moon of Mystic Hand Tarot. But first, a quick note. My home station, WHUP in Hillsboro, North Carolina, is currently running what we call a 50-50 fundraiser. That is to say, half of the proceeds from our fall fundraiser will help support Orange County musicians who have been struggling to make ends meet. Being Reasonable Radio Program proudly supports this effort. To contribute, please visit whupfm.org and click the donate button. Thanks for your support of independent radio and especially those local musicians facing tough economic times. And now, on with the show. The reason why I'm re-interviewing people is hopefully they've listened to their show like you have. And I'm curious how their beliefs have changed. I'm curious if your belief has gotten stronger, has it gotten weaker, is it the same? And the last time we talked, you talked about tarot. I'd like to talk to you about that today. Okay. Good. So I know that when we last had this, uh, did the last interview, um, I remember speaking to truth and personal truth as well as, you know, what is like a universal truth. And um, I know that I've had some time to reflect on that because I know that that in some ways I've, I've felt like personal truth had some like sway over other people in some way, you know, like that, that personal truth could somehow influence other people. And I I think that it can, um, but it's not always in a positive way. And I think that's really what we've been seeing going on in this last year, in the last four years, how people have these beliefs like, you know, vaccines are bad or, you know, there's some crazy stuff going on in the world that, you know, this QAnon stuff. Right. And that's part of the impetus of me doing the show. Yeah. Is we live in a time where people have these personal truths, these personal beliefs, and they feel very strongly in these personal beliefs. And my thought is, is that a lot of people are thinking their personal beliefs are universal truths. Yeah. In which case they may not be. And I think that is uniquely getting us into trouble. Oh, yeah. And for example, with the virus, we've come out with a vaccine. And if half the country believes that the vaccine works Mm -hmm. and is safe and effective, and the other half of the country believes that the vaccine doesn't work and is dangerous, well, my assumption is that there is a universal truth somewhere in there. Yeah. And that we're doing ourselves a great bit of harm if one side happens to be correct and one side happens to be not correct in a universal truth sense. And we go with the side that is incorrect just based on purely belief. Well, that could cause a great bit of harm. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I can see that there has to be some way that people can come to some kind of consensus. And I can definitely see how we've fostered this kind of misinformation. Um, I mean, the internet supports that, but the educational system has supported it too, especially in poorer areas of the country where 
certain agendas may have been pushed in um, schools or in families that, you know, that wasn't broken up by an outside perspective. So in the case of vaccines, we have information coming from two sides. What would be a good way to decide what is a universal truth? What is true in the world? What is real about the state of vaccines and viruses? Well, it's interesting because I've actually myself been questioning things regarding pharmaceuticals, you know, in my life, over the course of my life, especially in my, you know, in the past more so than today. But I've thought about it because some of my friends don't want to get the vaccine. And I don't agree that that's a good idea, although my past self would have been on their side about it. And what I'm realizing is that if we can look at how things worked in the past, like the first time we dealt with a, a pandemic in the recent past, in the last hundred years, mm-hmm. whatever was happening then, vaccine-wise, that encouraged the Spanish influenza to recede and no longer be a problem for us, uh, obviously that's evidence that these things do work. Um, I know that, too, I mean, science has come a long way since then, too. And if people were able to connect with and understand science, not as separate from their spiritual beliefs, which I think is where a lot of the conflict comes in is when people say, well, that's not God. I can't say that that has anything to do with God. So I can't believe in it because all I want to do is believe in God because I got to go to heaven or I've got to get into the club where everybody agrees on the same thing. If there was a way to say, look, how could this be separate? How could anything really be separate from God? Because it's all, you know, and to me, I I say grace, you know, I say source more than than God because that's my personal belief. But I know people connect with the word God. So I use that for the common understanding. (laughs) In the case of a vaccine, when I think about it, I think, well, whether a vaccine works and is safe and effective or whether it doesn't work, that can be discovered through a scientific pursuit, a test. We can give people the vaccine and see what happens under a controlled situation, in a controlled environment. Yeah. And as a way to discover a universal truth about whether a vaccine is safe and effective for a particular disease. And last time we discussed your beliefs surrounding tarot. Mm-hmm. And my thought was at the time you saw knowing things in the sense of what it means to know tarot differently than, say, a scientific pursuit. But I think you're saying now is that you don't see them separately. Hmm. So I think in terms of the tarot, I do see that those two things, science and the tarot, could be connected in some way if we had a way to quantify intuition and our connection to source. I mean, or, and so that's maybe taking it a step down from God and just saying the energy that's all around us that carries information. So I feel like there is sort of this, you know, I think Jung called it the collective unconscious and it's like a data bank of information If we had a way to quantify that, I think we could find a way to say, this is why these things work. This is why people can pick up on intuitive hunches or, um, so I don't think those things could, are separate. And I think that, that too, in general spirit and science, it's almost like who got the idea to make vaccines? How did they get it? Did they just come up with it because they're a person and they have some like cogs and wheels turning in their mind that like put things together like a computer or did they do it because spirit source god came in and said hey there's an idea you're a smart person you have science background this is something you should look at why don't you pursue this we put a lot on the plate there yeah (laughs) and a lot to unpack for example tarot it would seem that tarot could be examined like a vaccine is examined in the sense that Either tarot is true and real in a universal sense, whether we exist or don't exist, whatever tarot is doing, it can do it without us present, something true in the world, or 
it's not true. And I would imagine we could perform a test. And last time I talked about a test where, let's say you did a reading for five people and those five people selected their own readings and we could see how well they selected their own readings or something like that. And that would be like a test. And I think your response was at the time was, well, yes, but there are such a thing as individual readings, but when you do a reading, it also can be for a group of people. It could also be uh, meant to be a comment for several people who might be in the room. And so that then wasn't a test. Right. Because I think that people do, especially when we're talking about symbols like the tarot, find universal meaning in those symbols and then take their own personal meaning from those symbols as well. So there's there's definitely... I mean, I I just listened to a reader this morning who did like a 15 single card reading for, you know, 15 different choices. Each one had something in it for me. Um, So there's there's that. But then there's also layers to it. If I called that guy up and I said, hey, give me a reading, it's going to be so much deeper than anything he's going to do on an Instagram live for the general public of people that pick these cards. Right. And where I was left with due to the conversation was that we could do tests on tarot, but then if a test comes out a certain way, it seemed like it could never be explained in terms of, well, maybe tarot isn't a thing. It could always be explained in in terms of, well, yes, tarot does work. It's just because of these factors weren't figured in. And I think where we left things to a certain degree was that your belief in tarot couldn't be falsified. Meaning if tarot wasn't a thing, there's no way we could know it wasn't a thing. And I'm not saying it's not a thing. Right. I'm saying, but if it wasn't, we couldn't discover that. And so I'm thinking to know that whether a truth is universal, a universal truth, it should be able to be at least falsifiable in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, You've got me thinking in an interesting direction where, to me, in the way that I use the cards, they're keys, but the door still exists whether you've got the key or not. And the door is still something you could walk through even if you had an axe to chop it down or you had, you know, just this power in your hand to say, I'm going to unlock this just by the energy in my body, you know? So there's... A lot of people will ask me, like, well, can you do a reading without the cards? And I can. I mean, they pop up in my head for people sometimes. So I'm still using the cards. But ultimately, even if the cards didn't exist, I was born with these certain strengths. Everybody can build these strengths. I'm not saying that somehow I'm separate in that. But, um, you know, it is something that I got really excited about and interested in and focused on. So... I think that whatever the tarot taps into is that thing that that represents that universal truth, that there's some stream that I dip into when I'm doing the readings that even without the tarot, I could do that. Well, I think I see where you're coming from in the sense that you're obviously a very nice person. People probably enjoy coming to you and you seem very comforting. And in the case of tarot, it would seem important to know whether you are benefiting these people because you're a nice person and they come to see you and you help them with their problems and you're non-judgmental and you have unconditional positive regard towards these people, whether that is the thing that is helping them or there's some extra special sauce that you're tapping into with tarot. I definitely think that my personality is suited for it because I've had people trust me to tell me their life story sitting next to me on the bus. Right. Like, I don't know all that all people have those experiences, but there is something that that I am connecting with that's there. And it, you know, it can be this general thing. Like I, I tell the people that that watch my weekly videos when I'm in the video, I'll say, you know, because you're here, these messages are for you. Because you showed up, I'm tapping into that somehow. Well, how do we know that is there? What is some good evidence so we can, again, hang our hat on that? Yeah. If a third person is watching us talk 
and they just want to know what is universally true. They just want to know what's true in the world. How could we help them find that out? Hmm. I think it's, I mean, for me, there's an element of personal development in actually being willing to sift through the information as one part of it, but then also being willing to connect so deeply with the self and the physical presence of the body to sense like, like a thermometer or a barometer or a wind vane senses what's going on. So we've isolated ourselves from nature and from this stream that I'm talking about, this collective consciousness or this, this energy. How do we know that exists, like this collective energy? Hmm. Can this energy be measured? Is it something that... Well, I know that quantum physics attempts to measure it, that that, that is an element of quantum physics. I don't want to get too deep into that because I don't know enough about it. I know enough to get myself into trouble. <laughs> but there are tools that people use to measure it. it. It is one of those things that because there's so much in the way of us accessing those parts of ourselves and so many people haven't been attuned to that. You know, they're more attuned to get on Facebook, go watch TV, go to work, do the thing. And and that's just what the culture has supported. Society kind of says, this is what life is. And we all kind of agree on that. It's consensual agreement. Um, but I feel like there's so much more there. And when we strip away all of the distractions through, I mean, meditation is a really great way to get really conscious about, okay, this is what's true. And I've had all this fear and all these distractions layered on top of that, that cuts me off. And so I don't know if science has a way to measure it, but I, I do feel like we ourselves can measure it if we're really, really honest with ourselves. You know, not believing what we saw in the news necessarily, especially if we're tuning into certain channels, but believing what our own personal barometer has to say about it. And that, that takes a lot of stripping away. If Sarah is sitting next to you and Sarah says, yeah, I understand what you're saying about this universal energy that we're all tapping into, but I don't believe it. I don't believe it exists. Um, I don't think that there's evidence for it. How do we distinguish what Sarah believes and what you believe if we're trying to find a universal truth? Yeah, that is a good question. And I don't know. I feel like Sarah's going to get hit with that information one way or another, too, because it, it almost seems like the thing that happens to people when they come up against a time of reckoning in their life, you know, brushes with death, or even just right before the person leaves this earth, we realize, wow, there's something bigger that I've been a part of this whole time, and I've been ignoring it. I've been pretending like it's not here. I've been denying it. Oh, there was that one time. I mean, I, mean, I can think of a time that, that I thought, I should lock my bike up before I go away for the weekend. I didn't do it. The bike was not there when I got home. That was my intuition. That was that stream, that, that consciousness that said, hey, do this. And I, I ignored it. So one way to distinguish between your belief and, say, Sarah's belief is that in your belief system, it would appear that you would have, and I don't mean this to be sarcastic, that you would have a lot less bikes stolen than someone who comes out of Sarah's belief system because that just wouldn't register with her, I think was what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, in a way, I guess that was also an example to kind of prove the existence of something that can be tapped into, that exists, that is there for us to, to understand or to engage with that could help us or at least kind of point to some areas of truth. So it sounds like there is a test that we could perform in the sense that people who share your belief system overall, I would think, would be happier, more in tuned with what's going on, as opposed to people with Sarah's belief system. And that seems perfectly testable, right? I think it could be if you followed people over the course of a lifetime to see like, what are you paying attention to? What are you not paying attention to? How is it affecting you to pay attention to this versus that? That definitely could be a, a test. 
it would be one of those things I think where you like check in ever so many years or yeah yeah so at the end of the test and I'm not saying this is the case if it came out that Sarah and you seem to be about the same level of happy about the same level of in tuned what's with what's going on in the world then that would mean a less likelihood that your belief at that point is true would we agree yeah yeah that would make sense yeah so that's that's one way to get to a universal truth with that i suppose and to see you know really like is that thing that i'm talking about this collective unconscious which really is just i don't have a better way to speak to it i i think it's probably more broad than that or bigger than that but if there was no such thing as a collective unconscious would you still believe in the power of tarot I think I would believe in the power of the things that I pick up on. Because I think, I mean, if there was no collective unconscious, I mean, that's sort of built up of archetypes and um, symbols, which is what the tarot is. So I feel like they, they're sort of side by side in a way. Maybe they're, they're not, like, I don't think Jung decided that the tarot was a part of what he was doing, but I, I think that they connect in a way. And so because that's sort of this bank of symbols and the tarot is a bank of symbols, it's almost like they couldn't exist without each other, if that makes sense. So, but I do think I would still believe in the power of whatever I'm picking up on that's coming through for me to express or speak to when I'm interacting with people, if it's appropriate and in the right, you know, environment. Could that thing be an intuition coming from your own brain or is that something else that we're talking about? Well, so intuition, as far as I know, does not come from the brain as much as it comes from something deeper. I mean, the brain interprets it as a message, but there is a difference in terms of the messages that come through the brain and then the messages that come through intuition. So intuitions don't occur in the brain. As far as I know. And there might be somebody who could tell me different. <laughs> but if we didn't have a brain, would we still be able to have intuitions, do you think? I think so. Because it's something, to me, when I experience it, it's a quieter voice than what my logical mind is trying to, inter to bring out about things. Like, like when I was told, lock your bike up, that was it. That was all I got. I didn't get fear. I didn't get oh, you better do this. You know, it wasn't that. It wasn't the noise. It was just, you know what? That'd be a good idea. And that was it. That was all I got. And I ignored it. And I went on my day. I didn't think about it again. And when I got home, I was like, where's my bike? So that to me, it, it is it's this different sense. And I feel it in my body. And, I, and then again, there, there's no emotion with it. So all of the noise with emotions and fear and um, chatter, that, that's all from the brain. And the brain, of course, had to put the sentence together from that feeling when I looked at my bike as I was walking towards my house. But I don't think that message came from my mind. It came from somewhere else inside me because it did start with this just sort of like sense of like knowing, which I feel like the mind doesn't know as much as it thinks it knows, if that makes sense. If Sarah says things like knowing and, and intuition, that's not coming from somewhere separate from the body. That comes from the brain. And if Sarah said, I could show you how that works and we could put someone in an fMRI scanner and show what parts of the brain light up when mm. certain activities are occurring. If Sarah was able to show you that to your approval sufficiently, how she thinks that works. Would you still believe, do you think, in intuition coming from somewhere else? Or would you then think it's a brain activity? Well, I would, I would say that I think that um, it isn't separate from the body necessarily. What it is, is it's just not the brain. And the brain might be activated by it, like, oh, time to go lock up the bike, you know? That, that would be a way that, that the brain might be affected by that. Or the brain's interpretation of the feeling is giving you information about what to do. And, and then I could 
you know, end up being fearful that I'm going to lose my bike, which would activate the brain too. Um, but I, I think that like intuition, it's not separate. It's almost like, like when you get shocked by an electrical charge, it is separate from your body until you touch that thing and then it's in your body. So it's almost like, again, like dipping into some other energy that then affects something else in the body. So it, I don't know, maybe that still sounds like it's a separate experience, but the way I experience it is not separate. I mean, like if I was doing a reading for you, I get all these impressions and they might be coming from your energy field or, you know, what I, what I experience as your guides, which are, you know, angels or spirits that are with you, helping you. And I have my own and that, that interaction between those two. So even though you're a separate person, it's like I'm having a conversation with those parts of you that are unseen and that inside of me is giving me these impressions. So it is a feeling more than a thought, intuition. How about a thought experiment? Okay. And I don't think we did this last time. Let's suppose that I believe Buddy Holly, the musician who died, he's actually a god now. He rose, he's a god, and he does godlike things. And when I talk with people, I find that I'm fairly intuitive and I get impressions of people and I'm able to synthesize what they're thinking, but that's not really me. That's actually Buddy Holly that's doing that for me. And Buddy Holly is my spirit guide in that sense, and he helps me help other people. What do you think about my belief in Buddy Holly? Well, that's an interesting example because there are those people that are out there that do claim to channel other beings. And sometimes like there's someone that channels this person called Abraham, who is actually a group of entities. So I would be curious about that to know if in fact you were convincing yourself that this was true or if it were actually true, because I do think that we have the ability to tap into consciousnesses that are not on this earth anymore because everything is energy. And when we leave our bodies, our souls still, in my understanding, are still around. They're just not concentrated like they are now. And they don't have personalities the way that we do in our bodies. They're separate from that ego identification. Um, well, let's say for the purposes of this thought experiment, Buddy Holly is not a god. Buddy Holly is a dead musician who I am mistakenly believing that he is a god. Now, what do you think about my belief? I, I would still be really curious just to see how that plays out for that person, you know? Because again, too, like I, I don't think that because someone passes away and their soul leaves their body, they become a god. I honestly don't necessarily believe the same way about God as maybe some other people do or gods and goddesses and all these layers of, you know, hierarchy. I don't believe in hierarchy. I'm trying to tell you that it's truly a false belief. I mean, let's say that, um, and I've never done LSD, but let's say I've, <laughs> I took LSD, I had a bad trip, and then Buddy Holly came to me and I was just out of my mind. And from then on, I believe Buddy Holly is a god, but truly... Really, he has no bearing on me whatsoever. Right. So how would we discover that that's not true or true? Yeah. I think in that specific case, that that would be down to that person maybe taking some sort of psychological test and discovering, you know, like, where did they get attached to that idea? Hmm. So I could take a psychological test and the psychologist could tell me that, hey, you're uh, a bit delusional in your belief about Buddy Holly. And then I would say, okay, well, I guess I should stop believing in Buddy Holly because it's something that I created in my mind. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, but now that you're actually saying it, there is this part of me that's like, well, but 
that, that there is this idea out there that we actually might look upon shamans, you know, in the native sense as being somewhat psychopathic or having psychological issues. So that may not be the true test of whether or not this person is truly connected to who he believes is Buddy Holly and that person, that that entity is guiding him. It's interesting because I'm telling you that the universal truth in this thought experiment is that Buddy Holly is not a god. He's a dead musician. Right. I'm telling you that is the universal truth part of this thought experiment. And I find it fascinating because you're trying to find it true. I am. <laughs> you are listening to Being Reasonable on WHUP. We continue our conversation with Rachel Moon as she re-examines her belief in the power of tarot readings to offer divine wisdom and inspire personal growth. Coming up after this short break. My home station, WHUP, is currently running what we call a 50-50 fundraiser, where half of the proceeds will help support Orange County musicians who have been struggling due to the coronavirus. To contribute, please visit whupfm.org and click the donate button. Thanks for your support of independent radio and especially those local musicians facing tough economic I'm telling you, that is the universal truth part of this thought experiment. And I find it fascinating because you're trying to find it true. I am. Still. <laughs> well, and it's, it's funny because I think that there's so many ways that it in some way could be true. This person could be mistaken that they're connecting with Buddy Holly. Whatever they're interacting with could be coming through to show them that, they, that it is Buddy Holly because it's trying to trick them or because that's what they want to believe when in fact they're interacting with something else. You know, I mean, I think you're telling me is that everything is true. Mm, not necessarily, but that when we're talking about the spirit realm and energy, it's it's a little different than things that can be tested like vaccines or like what what people are doing in some secret enclave somewhere in California, Hollywood or whatever. So back to my thought experiment, <laughs> if my belief in Buddy Holly being a god is false, which it is, he is not, I think you're saying that even though it is a false belief in a universal truth sense, that it still might be useful for me to believe that Buddy Holly is a deity. It might be. I think that it's... How do I say it? Because in my personal belief, again, like I don't believe in the hierarchy of things. I think that people end up in places of power like politicians, et cetera, because they have good ideas and that's their role. Not because they're better than other people or they have more power or more ability to control other people. And maybe I, think, I don't understand where you're coming from when you yeah. say hierarchy in the sense that I'm trying to understand how a hierarchy or a lack of a hierarchy make something true or not true, but maybe I'm not understanding what you're saying. Well, when we talk about gods and yeah. goddesses, that oh, to I me see. is this constructed idea that somehow a person on this earth that walked this earth or that, you know, is somehow separate from this earth is more powerful or is over all of us. But to me, that's this idea that we created. It's not real. It's not. But again, there is this unifying force that is an energy that keeps everything on earth going and that keeps us all connected to each other. So to me, that's, that's what people think of as God. But when we actually use words like God or goddess or things of that sort, we're separating ourselves from it and saying, that's better than me. That's bigger than me. That's, it's definitely not something we can fully comprehend with our minds, but this idea that Buddy Holly could be a god, even though that's obviously not a universal truth, already makes it false. Because in my assumption, in my paradigm that we're talking about here, you're separating yourself from this idea of this person and making them something bigger than you, even though you have your own personal power. Your ability to affect the world is no different or less than somebody else's. It's just the 
what we believe about ourselves or what we convince ourselves is true uh, to make ourselves feel safer or more in connection or separate or special. Um, like, oh, well, I've got Buddy Holly on my side, you know, or whatever the, the case. Yeah. What if someone said to you that the only reason why you believe in this unifying force or the power of tarot is it helps you feel, to use your words, special? I wouldn't disagree with them. I mean, we all want to feel special. Yeah. Uh, what I have a problem with is making other people more special than us. And what I hope that I can do with what I'm doing with the tarot is actually guide people to understand themselves better so that they aren't separating themselves from other people. I'm not saying this is the case, but if it turned out that the reason why you are helping your clients had nothing to do with tarot and it was just your intuition and the way you think about the world and how you solve problems, would you be okay with that or would you feel let down by that? I would be okay with it. And I'm pretty sure that the reason that I do help people is not because of the tarot, but it's my tools. So just like my sewing machine, if somebody was to say, well, the reason why you can sew is not because of your sewing machine, it's because you're talented or you ha your brain works this way or you got into this really young and mm -hmm. now you're great at it, I would believe that too. Because I do feel at some point it's possible that that is going to take a back seat for me and that, that whatever it is that I am connected with is going to be the thing that I use to work with people. That the tarot is almost like, it's just another step that I don't think I really need to take. It's just helpful, if that makes sense. I think so, which makes me wonder then why the tarot? Why don't we just do what we're doing now? You and I have a conversation face-to-face -face and talk about things that we need to talk about and things that seem to be shown to be true in a universal sense, right? Well, I feel like some people need that little extra step to help them get their guard down. If I just put it out there, I'm not a licensed counselor, I don't have any credentials, but I want to talk to you about how you feel and what's going on in your life. Trust me, <laughs> you know, the cards are that step that helps them to see, oh, well, that's, I can trust that. I know what that is. That's a thing that I can, I can engage with and feel a little safer than just showing up at some girl's house who says she's a coach. <laughs> so you're saying that you're using a subjective truth to have people trust you so you can discuss a more universal truth. Yeah. That makes sense. And for me, it's helped me to trust my intuition more because it's an assistant. It's for me to turn over that card and I start seeing the pictures and I start putting together a story. It's, again, like a, like a key in a door. So, it, um, you know, I don't have to knock the door down with an axe if I've got the key. So you're telling me that the cards aren't doing something that you couldn't do on your own? Yes. I just think it makes it a little bit easier for everybody involved. And I love them. I mean, I'm an artist. I engage with art. I, I engage with symbols in my day-to-day -day life. There is something powerful and meaningful in it for me, but I think that because I'm human and because we live on this earth where we're in a material plane, that, that these things help us when we don't really need them. Okay, last question. Okay. <laughs> and I asked you this last time. If your belief wasn't true, would you want to know it? Hmm. Hmm. I would, although I'd probably find some way to argue with it and decide that it was true. <laughs> because I don't know who could tell me that it wasn't true. I don't know who I would necessarily believe enough. I mean, even of all the people that I care about and love, it would be really hard for me if somebody said, you know... This that this thing that you believe in, it's not really real. And so I you're can saying that you couldn't it. tell yourself that it's not true, and other people couldn't tell you that it's not true. Well, I couldn't tell myself it's not true because I've had enough evidence to support that it is. Is it useful to have a belief, any belief, that can't be shown to be false? Because if a belief can't be shown to be false. How do we really know that it's true? Hmm. 
Is it useful to have a belief? I think it is. I think it is because it's kind of what gets people inspired, you know? I you ask me the question again. If a belief can't be shown to be false, and not just your belief, any belief, then how do we know that it's true? For example, with QAnon believers, hmm. I would imagine there might be some believers that no matter what you tell them, however the situation or events change, that the belief remains the same. And the belief fits the new information that comes in somehow, even if the belief is false. Hmm. Yeah. Is it useful to have a belief even if it... I don't know. I... If a belief can't be shown to be false, how do we know that that belief is really true? I think it comes back down again to that stripping away of all the layers of experience and just really tapping into the deepest part of ourselves. Because I think that, and again, it takes a lot to get there. I'm not saying that I'm there and it may be a lifetime's work for majority of people. I mean, especially people that aren't like born into a life of being a monk and meditating all day long every day. And there might be some shortcuts to it and there might be some ways that we can do that and live normal lives. And I think I do it on some level, but it is about constantly being willing to examine what we believe and hold it up to this, to the light of consciousness. That's really the only way that we can tell what's true or what's not true if it's not something that can be tested and quantified and laid down to science. How does that falsify your belief if it was false? Well, I think that that's why I wouldn't believe it if somebody told me that that my intuitive powers or what I'm connecting to in terms of this this stream of consciousness that we're in. Um, I think that's why I wouldn't believe it if someone told me it wasn't true because I, I know it. I know it in, on a deeper level than just my ego knows it. Have you ever known things to your core? And I for one have, but I'm asking you the question, have you ever known things to your core that turned out not to be Yes. Yeah. How did you find that out? Well, I mean, I'm thinking a very specific case of something that happened to me yesterday, which I won't go into detail about. But when I found out that it wasn't true, what I was believing, um, it was because of something that happened directly in my life experience that showed me it wasn't true. So you had a way to find out that that belief wasn't true because it in fact wasn't true. But if you didn't have that way, would you still be believing whatever that is that you were believing yesterday, today? I would, although I will say that, especially with beliefs that are painful in the way that, that what I was believing yesterday, like things that I don't want to be true, but I believe them anyway, so this is maybe a special case, but, you know, there's ways to examine those beliefs that kind of help break them down and give them less power and less sway. Um, if it was something that I wanted to believe that I, you know, like belief in Santa Claus, let's say something makes you happy, I would probably be pretty let down and it would, it would reshape the way I see the world. Um, yeah. I would have to reconfigure my understanding of the world. Yeah. And it would appear to me that being able to falsify a belief is a really good thing in the sense that in some ways, if a belief can be falsified and that belief isn't falsified, that makes that belief in some ways much more powerful and much more apt to be a universal truth. At least that's how I think about it. It gives, a, you know, if, if more people believe that 
this person, XYZ person is somehow going to change the country in a positive way, um, even though that's not their intention and they're they're lying to everyone, let's say, or they're, they're going to change the world in a really good way for all the people that believe in them and, and everybody else is just going to have to deal with it. You know, standing behind that belief is dangerous and it, it can become some falsified truth that people accept to be some universal truth until they're shown that it isn't true. If I'm an older adult who believes, to use your example, in Santa Claus, mm-hmm. and I still believe in Santa Claus and I have since I was a little kid, and the reason why I believe in Santa Claus is that that belief can't be falsified. No one can show me that Santa Claus does not exist. It appeared to me that the belief in Santa Claus would be more powerful if I had some universal objective evidence that he did exist. Well, and I can, I I mean, my head kind of went in this direction of like, let's take him to the North Pole and show him like, there's no Santa Claus. And he's going to say, well, he's magical. He's got everything under wraps now. He doesn't want us to know he's here. You know, there's lots of ways we can take these leaps in our minds that no matter what you show someone, they're going to believe what they believe. Right. Which is the reason to circle back to the beginning of why I do this is because we have many people walking around with very intense beliefs that can't be shown to be incorrect if they're incorrect. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And if I had a belief that was harming me, that was going to make my life less enjoyable, less connected to other people. I mean, even just like just having these beliefs that horrible things are happening to children somewhere when they're not. And that also kind of diverts away from horrible things that are happening to children in reality that could be stopped and affected. Um, Anyway, that we, you know, that that hurts a person holding on to those ideas. And it also hurts the greater good because nothing's being done where there needs things to be done. Do you think that there are QAnon believers out there who believe in the tenets of QAnon, whatever those beliefs are, as strongly as I believe in the fact that Buddy Holly is a god or your belief? Do you think that we all have these intense attachments to our beliefs at the same level? It's hard to say, but I mean, I can see that, you know, there are things that that constitute the way I believe the world works and the way that I believe the world is, that they're pretty deep-seated and they're pretty much there. And it would be really hard if somebody said to me, you know, the sky isn't really blue, you just believe that that's true. So if a QAnon supporter says that, I really believe that if you're a Democrat, then you're likely a pedophile, And that belief has been with me for a long time, and it's part of me, and it's just really who I am. What do we think about that belief? I mean, that, to me, is something that is is hurting that person, ultimately, because they can't engage with people in a certain group. They're thinking about horrible things happening to people, even if it's in the background. You know, if I walked up to that person and said, hi, I'm a Democrat, I voted for Biden— then they, they would immediately shut down any kind of opportunity to connect. And it might be a beneficial connection for them. So, I mean, that's the kind of belief that would hurt somebody, I would think. And that ultimately, you know, I guess if someone's hold, holding on to that and held on to it for a really long time, it could be really earth-shattering for them to let it go. But there's so many more things like, I don't know. I don't know that I want to get too deep into psychology because that's another place I know enough to get myself in trouble. But there's a lot there that supports those those beliefs that are also things that are probably hurting that person that they'd rather not look at. So they're looking at the other thing. It's easy to look at that and not these this other material that's much more painful. Well, thank you, Rachel. This has really <laughs> been a great talk. I really enjoy talking with you. I really do. From the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsboro, North Carolina, I'm Mark Solomon, and you've just listened to another episode of Being Reasonable. Questions? Thoughts? Connect with us at beingreasonableshow.com. 
See you next week.
something is what something is to me. Guess it's better than something. Something's better than nothing. Cause nothing is what something is to me. Guess it's better than something. Something's better than nothing. Something is what something is to be. Guess it's better than something. Something's better than nothing. Cause something is what something is to be. Better than something Something's better than nothing Cause nothing is what something is to be Guess it's better than something Something's better than nothing Cause nothing is what something is to be Guess it's better than something Something's better than nothing Cause nothing is what something used to be Guess it's better than something Something's better than nothing Cause nothing is what something used to be Guess it's better than something Something's better than nothing Cause nothing is what something Culture's not my own 